So today, our passage comes from Philippians chapter 1. You turn to Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. really falls on the day of, uh, we're praying for believers around the world who are persecuted for the faith. And you'll notice in this passage, verses 12 through 18, chains are mentioned three times. Right? The chains of the, uh, on Paul are mentioned three times. So chains means he's in prison. Why is Paul in prison? Because he's preaching Jesus. And the authorities took a hold of him and put him in prison. Don't forget, Paul used to be one who persecuted the church, who favored killing Christians. God changed him. <laughs> And now he finds himself in chains. Um, This is the story of the Christian faith for the last 2,000 years. It's nothing new that Christians are put in prison for their faith in Jesus Christ. And we hear many, many stories about that today. So, but verses 12 through 18, I have a point for each chain. So, where chain is mentioned. You'll see that also on the back of your bulletin. You'll see the bulletin itself, and on the back you'll see an outline as well. So, verses 12 through 18, Philippians 1. But I want you to know, brothers, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brothers in the Lord have become confident of my, by my chains and much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. He's saying this from prison. So he's, he's a joyful man, the Apostle Paul. But that joy is not in his circumstances, but his joy is in the Lord. And uh, he's a forgiven man because of what Christ has done for him on the cross. And he, uh, he has great uh, joy in that. So that's our focus today is verses uh, 12 through 18. And uh, we're going to see, first of all, how the impact of Paul's imprisonment, the the impact the gospel has on Paul's imprisonment, you see it on his enemies, those who didn't like Jesus. You see it on the church, how they became more and more bold in sharing Jesus with other people. And you also see it on his critics, those who are saying, ah, but that's Paul. So... Those are the uh, three points in connection with the the three chains that are mentioned there. But you know, you read the book of Philippians, this book is Philippians, and you notice that one word appears again and again and again. The word is joy. Joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness depends on circumstances, and our circumstances sometimes are very hard and sad, but joy is something that is not in ourselves, but it comes from God by His Holy Spirit to those who believe in Jesus. That's joy. 
You can have joy and have terribly difficult circumstances. Okay, that's, that's where, where happiness is connected. But talk, Paul talks about joy here. And circumstantially, I mean, circumstances-wise, he's in the worst position that he could be, humanly speaking, in prison. And you notice this small assembly. There was a small church of mixed believers, believers from different backgrounds, people with different records, right? Forgiven in Christ, coming together, worshiping the Lord. And that was really the fruit of the Apostle Paul preaching Jesus. (laughs) And people came to believe in the church of Philippi. It's a fitting passage for today because today, November 7, is the annual International Day of prayer for Christians who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And you'll notice that on one of the uh, bulletin inserts in the back there, that's for today, globally, an estimated 260 million, astonishing number of people, 260 million believers, followers of Jesus, live in places where they face high, where they face extreme forms of persecution. That includes torture, that includes imprisonment, that includes death. So these are your brothers and sisters. Okay, and Apostle Paul can relate to that because he's writing from prison. And so I trust this passage will be an encouragement for us as we pray for fellow believers. We're spiritually united. We might not know them by face, but we're connected in our Uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Paul, he's writing to the church in Philippi. He says, I want you to know something. Notice how he starts there in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, those things that have happened to me. And it's just been really, really hard for him. Really, really difficult. But he says, "But, but you know from what he's writing there, he doesn't want believers feeling sorry for him. Oh, no. No, it's not time to feel sorry for me. It's not time to have a pity party. He acknowledges that he's in prison because he's preaching Jesus. The authorities took hold of him, arrested him, put him on trial, and he's in prison for his faith. And perhaps the people in Philippi are thinking, what a wasted life. I mean, just sitting there? what's, What's his purpose in life anymore? What's going to happen now? Ah, too bad for the Apostle Paul. But Paul says, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, the gospel is not being hindered. But he says, since I've been in prison, the gospel is advancing. You know, it really goes to show that Paul's not in control here. He represents the gospel, but there's one who is greater than him, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the ascended Lord and King, the Lord of the world, the Lord over all other authorities. And Paul is saying, the Lord has me just where he wants me to be. Just where he wants me to be. It's not Satan, no. Satan is bound since Christ arose from the dead and is ascended to heaven. Satan is bound. Satan didn't put him in prison. No. The Lord wants Paul exactly in the precise place where he wants him to be. And Apostle Paul realizes that Christ wants to magnify himself. Christ wants to make himself great in these very difficult, difficult circumstances for Paul. Paul's in chains. That means he's, he's tied down. He probably had chains around his ankles, maybe sometimes around his arms. 
And that's where he was in prison. But you know what's not chained? The gospel. The word of God is not chained. Look at 2 Timothy 2 verse 9. Paul even says as much. He says, I'm afflicted in chains, but the gospel, the word of God is not chained. Who's Lord? Not Caesar, not our civil authorities, but Christ is Lord. Our Lord Jesus reigns in spite of, more than just in spite of suffering, but through suffering. Through suffering, through adversity. And so what we see here this morning, or this afternoon, is that the gospel advances. The gospel marches forward through imprisonment. It just seems so opposite, doesn't it? You would think that the gospel is bound in prison. But no, it's marching forward through imprisonment. And you see the powerful impact of the gospel with Paul in prison, who represents the gospel, represents Christ. You see its powerful impact on his enemies, on those who put him in prison in the first place. You see that in verse 12 and 13, on his enemies, the, the, the palace guard. And then you see, second of all, it has a powerful impact on the believers, particularly in Rome where he was in prison, but probably throughout the world at that time. You see that in verses 14. And then in 15 through 18, even on those who were critics of Paul, right? People who were envious of Paul. It had a powerful impact. But first of all, we're going to look at his enemies. How the gospel had a powerful impact on his enemies. Look at verse 12 and 13. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, the things that have happened to me have actually turned out for good. Right? They've actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it became evident to the whole palace guard, that means to all the soldiers who were guarding him, and to all the rest, that my chains are in Jesus. My chains are in Christ. It has become, in other words, really clear. It has become well known to the whole palace guard that Paul is not in prison for a crime. He's in prison for Christ. No one is in doubt why Paul is in prison. He's in prison because of Jesus, for the sake of Jesus. The palace guard were taking note. Wow, the whole palace guard. See the word there, whole? That means everybody. And Rome, of course, is the capital of the empire, and of course, that's the seat of Caesar, and everyone's taking note. And you notice that it doesn't mean that they were believing. No, notice that the gospel has powerful impact in one of two ways. It can have powerful impact by people believing. Okay, but it can also have powerful impact by people reacting and becoming more and more violent. We have to see that as a powerful response to the gospel too. Right? Sometimes people become even more violent and wanting to carry out harm against the church. Both ways. But they were taking note. The Lord has his ways of using his people for his glory, even in the most difficult, difficult circumstances. <laughs> the Lord can magnify himself in that. At this point, who's, who's sitting in the congregation of Philippi? Remember? There was one man who was a 
a guard in the jail of Philippi. Remember, he was not a believer. And how he was guarding the Apostle Paul and Silas in prison. Paul and Silas were singing. The jailer. The jailer. And he's hearing this. This man who used to be a persecutor. And now he, hear, he had heard Paul and Silas singing in prison. He, the Lord changed his life. And he's hearing this. This letter that Paul is writing. He, you can imagine. He's probably blushing a little bit. <laughs> and maybe with a smile. of, Yeah, that was me before. And the Lord changed my life. And now we're hearing about other guards who it's impacting. Well, and now Paul's in Rome, in the prison in Rome, a big prison. And if you want to read more about his time in prison in Rome, all you have to do is read Acts 28, the last part. The book of Acts chapter 28, verses 16 to the end. And there you read that he was under constant Roman guard. Under constant surveillance, there was always a guard by him. Right? Chains on Paul, always a guard by him. And those guards, you know, like nurses in hospitals, right? They take their shifts every six hours, maybe. There was always another guard posted there by the Apostle Paul. And so, this is amazing how God can use something so cruel and mean and turn into something very good. Paul had a lot of contact with people who didn't believe in Jesus, one after the other. Many, many, many different guards. And what did they see? They saw a man, they saw his gentleness. They saw the Lord's change in his life. They saw Paul's patience, they saw his courage, they saw his confidence. And they would listen to him talk with his friends. They would probably listen to him pray for those who came to visit him. And then you, you can imagine the news spreading from guard to guard to guard, and then the news spreading from the guards to their families. And by the way, it even reached the household of Caesar himself, so the Roman ruler himself. Because if you read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, that last part of Philippians, he says, And the household of Caesar also greets you. <laughs> so you see how the Lord changed um, even those within the household of Caesar through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's circumstance. Well, really, no, not Paul's suffering, not Paul's circumstance, but rather Christ's cause. The cause of Christ became well known throughout the city. And in verse 13 it says, and to the rest. What is a rest? Probably it just became the general talk of the city of Rome. You think about suffering and pain Deep, deep realities, aren't they? And sometimes we bring it on ourselves. But really, suffering is really the cause of our sin in Adam, isn't it? It's the realities of our fallen world. The sad results of our sinfulness in Adam. There are thousands of ways suffering invades our lives and threatens to undo us, threatens to harm us. And yet, you know what? I think in our context too, we see how we suffer as Christians. That's the difference. Everyone suffers, but what's the difference? The difference is, is how we suffer, the how. How we suffer as Christians in contrast to the world. And how we suffer impacts those around us. They see, they see us. 
They hear us. I always think of uh, going back to Henry. It was almost five years ago that Henry Bomini died. Right? His, especially his last year on earth with us. You see how cancer was just eating away at his body. He became so thin. And yet how in his suffering it had a big impact on all of us, I think, but also on many others. They, he just had that peace of Christ, that confidence in Christ. He, he, he spoke of Christ. And even as he was suffering, he wasn't talking about himself, but he was wanting to make sure that we were all doing fine. That's just one example. Again, that's God's grace. But again, it's, why is that? Because the word of the cross is this. Not even death. Not even death can defeat life. Right? And Christ is a forgiveness of sins. He forgives all our sins when we believe on him. And he promises eternal life. That's what he gained for us through his death and resurrection. And no one, no one can keep the stone on the tomb. Christ burst forth from it. And no one can seal the gospel into the tomb today. Because Christ has risen in power and glory and that gospel continues to go forward. God can use the means he chooses to. Even imprisonment. That's what we hear in our passage. We hear Paul's resilience. His joy in adversity. Paul's adversity becomes God's opportunity, you could say. What a powerful impact from his imprisonment on those around him and those who didn't know Jesus. But also on the church. You see in verse 14? And he says in verse 14, and most of the brethren. Brothers means brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So it doesn't refer to people in the world, but specifically, anytime you use the word brother in Scripture, anytime Scripture uses the word brother or sister, it's always in reference to those who are uh, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul, Paul is speaking about. He's speaking about the church here. He says, they have become confident in the Lord by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. <laughs> you see here how Paul's imprisonment made the church more bold. I mean, there's that sense, right? Paul, he's our friend. Look what they did to him. Right? And it made them more bold because of the link of love and, and Christ with him. Um, but even more so, okay, perhaps they began to realize the love of Christ who gave his life for me and to die for me, how that should impel me, how that should embolden me to even speak more boldly for the cause of Christ. You know, Paul says that his imprisonment for the gospel did not dishearten the church. It did not discourage the church. It did the exact opposite. Right? That's what faith does. It emboldens faith. It emboldens True believers. It'll drive other believers away who are not true believers. Right? It'll drive them away because they get so scared they don't want anything to do with Christ anymore. But on the other hand, those who are true believers then embolden them and it made them stronger. That's what we see happening here. The church in Rome. Right? Where did that church come from? Well, Paul was there years earlier and Christ through the Apostle Paul's preaching caused many people to believe and the church was formed in Rome. And now they're becoming more and more bold because of Paul's imprisonment. They saw the value in Paul's suffering. They saw God blessing it. 
And that's why they were rejoicing. It stimulated, you could say, it emboldened them all the more to share the word. See what Paul says? They are much more bold. Well, if they were much more bold, what does that say what they were like before? Perhaps they were less bold before. They're probably feeling the pressure not to speak about the name of Jesus. They probably didn't want to really talk about Jesus to others. Maybe they're a bit afraid. Perhaps they're afraid of loss. Perhaps they're afraid of reprisal. Maybe ridicule. I think we can all relate to that, right? There's that that angst and that bit of fear and uh, that, t- that takes control of us. But you know, you see God by His Spirit taking that away, right? And now they hear the Paul in prison being under fire for his faith in Jesus. They see him remaining steadfast in his faith. They see his resilience. They see the Lord sustaining him. And if, if the Lord can do that in his life, he can certainly do that in our lives too. We can freely speak because the gospel is not chained. It's free to do its work. And so what had happened, they had shaken off their former fears. And at last, they're telling the message of Jesus courageously. Just sharing the truth, the truth of God's word. You know, sometimes you hear people speaking lies. They believe the lies. And then, you know, a a disciple of Christ says, that's not true. Right? And they share the truth, the truth of the gospel. That's what was going on here. In their workplaces, in their homes, and in their neighborhoods. Ordinary Christians, not pastors. Just ordinary Christians, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Those looking after, looking after their families. Yet they were bold to speak the word of God, no matter the cost. The message became the topic for ordinary conversation or talk. And it says here, for most of the brethren, for most of the brothers and sisters, it became ordinary talk. Not everybody, but for most. Paul's imprisonment had a powerful impact on the church. The Lord used Paul's imprisonment to embolden the church to speak the word without fear. Right? And no doubt the church also saw the enemies, those who didn't know Jesus, they saw how the gospel was having a big impact on them as well. And that encouraged them to pray, and we can certainly pray for that, and to step out in faith and courage. I mean, don't you feel the pressure of society around us today not to speak the truth? It's, it's difficult. But you know what? These words are here also written for our encouragement. And it's not, I trust, that we are not willing, but perhaps it's fear that keeps us from freely talking about the Lordship of Christ. He is Lord. There is none other. The only Savior and Lord. Don't, wouldn't, don't we love to have people released from chains? If we see people in chains, of course we would go up to them and we would break their chains and, and show them the way. That's what we're called to do in sharing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our society today 
is in the chains of sin, the power of sin, and Satan. And now you see those very same people are who are under the bondage of Satan trying to silence the church, trying to silence the word of God, trying to put a muzzle on it, trying to keep mouths closed. No. No. It's the exact opposite. No, the mouths of the unbelievers must be closed because the grave, the tomb, the resurrection of Christ cannot be reversed. It has its power. And so the word of God reigns freely through the death and resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ has broken the chains, the chains of sin, of death and hell. Our risen Lord and Savior Jesus has bound Satan so that the gospel may freely advance throughout the world today. Freedom. That's what we need. Freedom. Freedom. Sin's forgiven. We're set free. The worst they could ever do to any one of us here is take away our physical life. But life continues in Jesus. That's the worst that they could do. Paul, though in chains in prison, was free in Christ. His enemies took note of the message. The church was emboldened. And that is why it's good to read. This is why it's so good to read the accounts of the bold witness of Christians from other countries today. It's really important. Because I think we would find that to be an encouragement, a faith-strengthening experience, listening to their stories of faith, even in the midst of harrowing persecution, torture, and in the advance of the gospel through that. One Christian agency, that's Open Doors, reports that, yeah, the 50 countries where it's most dangerous to be a Christian today, what happens in those countries? Christians are pressured to convert. They're forced to marry their churches are raided. Their churches are closed. Their church buildings are destroyed. And even in the midst of it, they're still following Jesus. You see how it emboldens the faith of others. It really shows, doesn't it, God's work. God is at work. And we see the perseverance. And it impacts us, connecting us as one global church and it should inspire us to be also bold in our faith. You know, another person writes this, the numbers of God's people who are suffering should mean the church is dying, right? That the Christians are keeping quiet now, that they're losing their faith, and that they're turning away from one another? It's the exact opposite. Christ has risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. That's not what's happening. But life continues. The gospel continues to spread. Instead, we see the words of God recorded in the prophet Isaiah. He says, I will make a way on the wilderness and rivers in a desert life. Yeah, the gospel's powerful impact. You see it from Paul's imprisonment, not only on those who didn't know Jesus, but on the church. And finally, on his critics. You see that in verses 15 to 18. Verse 14, he's talking about uh, ordinary believers. Verses 15 to 18, he's talking about other pastors. Right? And he talks about two groups of pastors 
who were preaching the gospel. And Paul admits that his imprisonment was being exploited by some of the pastors that were bringing God's word. How were they exploiting him? In this way, they were jealous of Paul. They were envious of Paul. What? That he was in prison? No. Look at here, verse 15 and 16. Some indeed preached Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. So why were they envious then? Envious about what? Did they want to be in prison? No. Well, the news about Paul in prison, for the gospel was spreading all throughout the city of Rome. So some of these preachers were beginning to lose some of their own prestige that they had. And continually they were hearing the name Paul, Paul this, Paul that, Paul this, Paul this. They weren't hearing their names anymore, Bob or Silas or whoever, right? People were not talking about them as much anymore. And their names were not being mentioned as often. So they became envious of Paul because Paul's name was getting out there. Paul didn't have any desire for his name to get out there. He just wanted the name of Christ. That's what he said. As long as Christ is preached, that's the main thing. You know, pastors are definitely prone to this in the ministry, just as anyone else in in their profession. It doesn't make it right. These are sins of the flesh which Jesus calls us to repent of and to turn away from. And it's interesting how these sins, pastors even, can cover up so well, right? With a cloak of pretense, as Paul says in verse 18. With a cloak of pretense. But you know what? Paul says, at least they're not preaching false doctrine. And he rejoices in that. Because there are people who preach, who say they preach the Bible, but they really don't preach the Bible. They preach false doctrine. They preach another gospel. If they were preaching another gospel, then Paul would say, as he said in Galatians chapter 1, he says, even if we preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Apostle Paul later talks about the false teachers in Philippi, and he calls them dogs. He calls them evil workers. But these critics were not preaching false doctrine. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they were preaching and proclaiming Christ, the only name above heaven, under heaven by which we can be saved or must be saved. That's why Paul says in verse 18, they're not preaching false doctrine. They're envious of me, but at least they're preaching Christ, and I rejoice in that. See verse 18? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. You see, they were jealous. And what did their jealousy do? It made them push themselves forward to even do better. To even proclaim Christ even more so. And that's what Paul was happy about. They wanted to show that they could preach like Paul. But what really matters is not what they were doing to Paul. What really matters is what they were doing with the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ is being preached. And in this, we rejoice, don't we? 
I think of recently in Edmonton, one pastor who was in prison. And he had his share of critics among pastors. Yeah, yeah, but look, he wasted his life. He could have been spending those six weeks with his congregation when he was just spending his time wasting his time in prison. Careful. Careful. The Lord can do his work in the way he pleases. And the Lord was honored. He was honored by this pastor in Edmonton being put in prison. You know, in this I will rejoice. And you look to Christ. And there's one who never suffered so much as he did. One who was faultless. One without sin. One who was perfectly innocent. What did he do? He let go of his glory that he had with the Father from all eternity. And he took to himself a body like ours. What purpose? To lay down his life for us so that we could live forever and ever and receive the forgiveness of sins. If that doesn't motivate us, what does? You know, we're willing to live for Christ. But if we're willing to live for Christ, that also means, right, we're willing to die for him. In response for all that he has done for us. He was arrested. He was put on trial. He was sentenced to death. To death on the cross. Not for his sin. For my sin. Our sin. He lived the perfect life. He made the perfect sacrifice for sin in order to set us free from those big chains that we were shackled, those chains that shackled us, the chains of the devil, of Satan, the chains of sin, the chains of hell. The world may put Christ's followers in chains, but your hard fought for freedom by Christ, that is the free gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life, that can never be put in chains. Praise God. For those who believe on him, he secures eternal life. Martin Luther said, The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. The resilience the advance of the gospel through suffering. Through suffering. The message of salvation is what got Paul into trouble with the authorities. It's the exact same message that gets the church into trouble today with authorities. In spite of suffering, actually through suffering, in suffering, we may rejoice in the advance of the gospel. So yes, we pray for our brothers and sisters in terrible, horrible situations. But we can praise God for what he's doing, what he's accomplishing in their lives and also in the work of the gospel. Amen.